Welcome back to the Overtly Critical Film Show. I'm Ryan. And I'm Corwin. And this week we did Magnolia, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and starring Tom Cruise, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julianne Moore. Fucking everyone. Philip Baker Hall, John C. Riley, every, everybody in Hollywood. Yeah, every single person. Um, William H. Macy, uh, right. your, your dad, everyone. So, a little bit of history. I had not seen this movie before, so we both went in blind this time. But I remember, so I, I watched a YouTube video from a channel, Cinema for Cynics. They don't make videos anymore. But he mentioned this as a movie that, a great movie that you'll never want to watch again. And I kept it on, like, on my mind. And I remember in high school, I have a high school story this time. Hey, um, there we go. The poster of this movie was in my geometry classroom. Interesting enough. Maybe because it has to do with the flower, magnet. I don't know. But uh, that's my history with the movie. And I hadn't seen it, and you hadn't seen it. Yeah, and I've I've never seen it. Never seen a a uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, I have. I saw Hard Eight. It was I, not. Great. I was a little worried about the three hour runtime, but uh, you know that comes in that whole thing of like a great movie you'll never want to see again. But uh, we'll get into that in our thoughts later. On one random day in the San Fernando Valley, a dying father, a young wife, a male caretaker, a famous lost son, a police officer in love, a boy genius, an ex-boy genius, a game show host, and an estranged daughter will each become part of a dazzling multiplicity of plots, but one story. So the story of the movie. Um, it's a three-hour movie. It's three hours and eight minutes. And it feels like three hours and eight minutes. Oh, yes, it does. Um, the movie kind of sets up this concept that it's about, like, coincidences that are not so coincidental. The movie didn't really feel like it played up the idea of coincidences that much to me. Like, in the plot overall, it felt a lot more like these are intertwined stories. I don't agree with, uh, you know, what the logline said of that this is one story, because it did not feel that way to me. It really did feel like separate stories that are all... That, that are shared by multiple people and sort of weave in and out of each other. But it didn't really feel like a lot of coincidences because, like, I don't think it's really a coincidence that, like, you're, that, like, the dying father is also the guy who is the owner of, like, the program that the game show is on and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I did like, I, I did like, like, just the way that the opening was kind of edited. It was, uh, it was entertaining. In those cases, it kind of shows you, oh, it's this crazy bunch of coincidences. And this movie kind of portrays itself as, like, another case of that. And when you get to the ending, when it's all, like, has to do with, like, oh, this big event happens to all these people that all have the same similar kind of problems when you get to the concept of the movie, I can see it a little bit. I hadn't thought about that with the thing at the end. Really, the movie is really about uh, parent-child relationships. That's basically what the movie's about. You can say it's about the past, oh, even. Yeah. Because some people argue that it's about the past as a general term. I don't think so. But the no, movie... I think, you're, I think you're on it right there. So, like, not only do we have the kid who's a genius on that show and relationship with his dad, which, horrible guy. Jesus, <laughs> I hate that yeah. guy. Like, even at the end, he doesn't, like, redeem himself. He's still, like, the, um... Where he's like, yeah, you, got, you, got, you, you have to, uh... Was it, you have to be nicer to me, and the dad's just like, go to bed. That's, right. like, a... That's 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 yeah. a dark part of the movie. His dad was taking pride from his son's accomplishments. You know, he kind of used his son as like, oh, that's mine. You know, like it's, it's not even so much the accomplishments. Thing. It's more of like a he's he's using his son to get money because he wants the money from like that's true. the award, um, and that ties into William H Macy, whose parents um, 
took his money that yeah. he was successful from from his big win on the show, yes. and now he just works like a, a, a dead end job. And they're using his clout. The only reason he can work there is because they're using his clout to sell their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you get, of course, the dying father, who he's got the the relationship with um, his son. We also have the dad who hosts the show relationship with his daughter Claudia. That's a messed up one. So you know, even though there are some relationships in the movie that aren't parent uh, child, pretty much everybody in the movie <coughs> is affected by something like that. Like the only loose cannons there would be Julianne Moore's char- character well. and the cop. He he doesn't really have like he's the most kind of disconnected from it all. I think because he he's of course connected to Claudia's story, and then he becomes connected with um. Uh, William H. Macy's character, um, the, the the boy genius, whatever his name was, but for the rest of it, he doesn't really do much, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame because I think yeah. um, uh, what what is what's his name? John C. Riley. John C. John C. Riley. He's a great actor, and I would love to see a little yeah. more of him. But uh, and I loved his character. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in the movie too. He doesn't have a big role. He's kind of like the nurse caretaker for Tom Cruise's dad, but Tom Cruise is certainly Tom Cruise in this movie. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the whole um respect the cock tame the con. Yep, that's his thing. It's entertaining, yeah. but it's also mm. so fucked up and it gives you a great view of like how someone becomes like this yeah. because his father basically fucking abandoned him. Mm. His he didn't really have his um, a female role model either because his mom fucking died. Mm. What kind of impact does a parent really have on their kid? We see what um, Tom Cruise basically feeling like. You could say that his like weird like sexual frustrations are just a manifestation of losing control over his 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 family. So he wants control exactly. of other people um, and just like the lack of like a. He, he becomes almost like a father figure to all these people in the way he sort of teaches them how to get a woman because he never had a father figure, yes. really. His dad freaking just straight up abandons him. Um, and, of course, you get Claudia and her dad, which is their, their twist at the end where, you know, it's sort of like um, he doesn't... I interpret that as he doesn't really know if he did molest her or maybe he just doesn't remember if he did. But um, he did. He, he almost certainly did. I feel like they even, like show like that that they zoom into like the the thing on the the painting and it says uh i don't remember what it, what it says she was right or something no it's like it happened or something like that yeah it's it's pretty overt in my opinion that they're trying to say yeah he, he molested her let me get to some notes about the script not the story so i said long scenes but uh the long scenes are really realistic i mean you have like scenes of like Ernie, or was it Ernie is his name, right? Like he's dying on, yeah, his, on his deathbed. Yeah. He's trying to get out a sentence to, to fill up. And the see, the shot must have been a minute and a half of him trying to get a simple sentence out. And it's like, if you've been in a hospital with somebody, that's realistic. There are, you know, there are shots in this movie of people sitting there thinking, and that's that's what it's like. It reminded me of, you know, my grandfather passed away recently and seeing someone that close to the end of their life. This movie captures a lot of aspects of life very accurately and very rawly. Um, By the way, it's Earl, not Ernie. Sorry. There's way too many people. Is it Earl? It's Earl. It's Earl. Okay. It it's right an E name. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. An interesting thing is that the bulk of the movie takes place in a few hours, basically. And the one thing that kind of keeps you in a bookmark there is most of the movie takes place within Tom within Frank's show the whole like basically the whole movie so like I think it's 
it's got to be like a half an hour in. We're first introduced to the silhouette of him, like starting his show with all these people, mm-hmm. and then the interview. Oh, like timeline the, wise, yes, yeah. The interview with the lady is like the intermission, and that's halfway through the movie, and he just is leaving his show to go see his dad at the end of the movie. So we know the all the events in this movie that like we know are taken within this time. It's all within this like hour or two. And yeah. another thing this movie does is it does kind of jump back and forth in time pretty pretty seamlessly. It's not jarring, um, just we, because we, you got eight stories to keep up. Um, with. There, there were moments where I don't remember what exactly tipped me off to that this is what was happening. Um, I think it had to do with a phone call where like they go back. It's it's clear that they've jumped back low to show you now. This is at the same time this was happening. This is what's happening. A lot of these people do have sort of arcs in the movie and. Everybody goes through like problems at the same time. So, script writing thing here. The midpoint of the movie. It's like the low point for everybody. It is the low point for everybody. In the same game show, you have the host who's like he's knows he has cancer. It's a stroke, right? He falls over. At the same time, the kid is pissing his pants. So you have like multiple things happening at the same time. Is this where Tom Cruise also is like you know really? Where she basically confronts him in the interview yes. about like he was lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I I hadn't paid attention because I'm not as so much of a script guy. That that does all happen at the same that's, time. That's in the middle of the movie. But in the middle as well is when Donnie, the grown up kid genius, kind of like I didn't really know what was happening in that scene. Like he gets um, up and he tells everybody to screw off. That's I think, his it, thing I think it was more of him from like a, a thematic standpoint expressing love which is something you know he probably didn't really get much of he mm-hmm. doesn't feel loved and just being like i yeah. love you man <laughs> i do love the parallel though between that guy and the kid that's currently facing the same problem as him it, it, it's very important to what i feel like the overall idea of this movie is but i'll save that for when we get to the end and talk about our lesson we learned so the movie it's pretty much a roller coaster of emotions and one thing I'd like to say about the script in general is that because there's all these characters, the movie feels like it's a world. It doesn't feel like the, the narration or perspective of one person. It feels like a big thing. There is no single POV character. There isn't even really like a character they favor more screen time to. No. You're going to connect with some characters the most. The movie doesn't need a main character. That's kind of the point of it. Like I said, it's actually called an epic when I look it up. It's called a drama slash epic. Yeah, that that's actually a good way to define it. It's a it's like a modern real life epic. So now we can talk about this goddamn ending. Yeah, so if I may, um the movie ends with a reign of frogs, which for those who know comes from the book of Exodus, which well, during one of the tapings of the game show it's like they're stupid. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Slash Jeopardy. Slash Family Feud mashup. It's kind of cool, actually. Um, they even have like a music section. Um, but it's during that they show a shot of the crowd, and there's a couple signs, and it's like such an insignificant thing. And I just happened to notice one of the signs said Exodus eight two, and you noticed it as well. But then I was sitting there like, I gotta look this up. This will be funny because I was like, oh, I'll just look up what this means. And, and it's the uh, it's the passage from the Bible. Where, you know, Moses is talking about the plagues he's going to bring on to Egypt, yeah. where he's going to bring frogs down. Well, basically it says, like, if you let them go, I will bring a plague of frogs upon your land or whatever. Which, if you want to interpret the ending, letting go... It just bugged me as a scene, because, like, on one hand, I think I've heard of something like that happening in real life before, where, like, a hurricane or something sweeps them up and puts them into the air, but, like... 
it felt so weird and random, and I just didn't like it. I really, you know what? It it it, it kind of took me out of it. To be fair, a little bit, but I'll honest, say this: more. the movie was trying to set up the idea that this is never real. This is not realistic. They they even make a point to say none of this is coincidence. They say it in the beginning that like this stuff is not. They're like coincidence. No, it's not. Oh, what's that section right where? And also where he's on the phone calling the uh, guy about like the son trying to get in touch with uh where the nurse is trying to get in touch with um frank the uh the 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 motivational speaker cult type guy uh he's like this is the scene in the movie where you help me where uh, the the long lost son finds the dad or something um but i still kind of I didn't like the frog part. It kind of took me out of it. It was just weird. It catches you off guard. It, 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 it makes you laugh your ass off, especially in a scene where like a lot of heavy shit is happening. Yeah. So William H Macy is stealing from the is 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 being very you know taking a great risk of stealing from the shop because he thinks he's owed the money. Claudia, her mom comes and they're having a moment. The guy's about to shoot himself. Um, the sh- the host is about to shoot himself, and then the frog hits him in the head and he misses. Uh, but I think he kind of died anyways. Um, the son and the dad are like finally reconnecting, and we're well, not really reconnecting. That he's he's dying, and the dad's just very. The son is like so angry at him and so hurt, and then it's fucking raining frogs in the sky, and it's like what the fuck? Because at this point we're like two hours and forty minutes into this thing, I totally forget about this whole uh, vignette of stories about weird coincidences in history. Yeah, and, and just a sidebar: this movie feels like it should end like twice before it actually oh, yeah. does. And it's a little odd. It's a scene where I think. Four people in the movie are all driving, and I'm thinking, they're going to crash into each other. Because the girl is, uh, Julianne Moore's character is in an ambulance. John C. Riley just left his date with Claudia. Um, Donnie's, like, just leaving where he was, he robbed that place. And um, the host's wife Is going to go meet him. Claudia. He's going to meet Claudia. And I was like, oh my god, they're going to crash into each other. And I was like, god damn it, they didn't do that. I wasn't struck by a lot of the visuals in this movie, but the main thing I noticed is they do you. There's a recurring motif of central framing. Um, the two main spots I noticed it were in the interview with um, Frank, um, where like the interviewer is asking the really piercing question about like, "Well, I know you lied about your your father dying. Your mom died. Your father's still alive." what's up with that and he's like very much like out of control in this one moment where he's trying to be very cool and in control over the moment he's just like he just is silent he says i'm silently judging you it's like okay fucking five-year-old <laughs> um and then the other moment is with the 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 kid after he runs away from the show and breaks into the library and just sits and read he's he gets the uh they center frame on him too with the bookshelf. It's a really great shot. There's like some plants that they have, like yeah. the shot comes over and stuff. There's more examples, but those are the mm-hmm. two that stick out in my mind. Obviously, the beginning has like old film footage. That's always cool because you know that that Anderson went and shot that stuff. So that's always cool. Um, the editing and I actually wrote this. Editing is superb. Is a quote that I made. Um, not oh, just yeah. so. There's a couple compilations in the movie. There's like two of them really. The opening of the movie is a whirlwind and this does play into camera moves which i want to get to separately the following shots yeah but the beginning is kind of showing you all of the people that you're about to meet and the transitions basically centering around the tv show um again it's like it's crazy how fast you're going and you're meeting all these new people and you're like what the hell? who's this guy what was that guy what's going on the editing there is great and then um and there are some cuts throughout the movie 
between the stories uh, that are also really good. And then there's one compilation in the end when Earl is giving like his final like regrets about cheating on his wife. Mm-hmm. And Which then, um, I want to talk about that later, but we'll get back to that. Yeah, and that's um, and throughout that that you see everybody else again, and there's a lot of you know continuity between the people and good editing there. Um, and in that beginning compilation, the camera is hectic, very hectic, but a lot of following shots yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, the camera works great. A bunch of zooms, a bunch of uh, a bunch of yeah, follow follow shots and tracking shots and things like that. Um, one of the more interesting uses of it is when they're in when they're backstage of the game show. And they're following one person as they talk, and then another person goes away, and they follow that person separately. And then all of a sudden, you're going through the room. They talk to somebody else. Oh, there's the kid again. Then they follow him mm-hmm. again, and you're like, "That's choreography, and that's great." They um, <clears throat> was it? They they also like using um in this movie the like the slow zoom in when like there's a realization or when like something really important's happening, which I love. I love that as a camera move in general. Um, it's not really a camera move. I love that as a shot where like in the interview or when in one of uh, Earl's monologues where they just slowly zoom in on him very subtly. Um, it's it's yeah. great. Really, I, l- I like really to say nice. the camera had a personality and it had a purpose. So for the audio of the movie, I had a couple notes. Um, there is narration in the beginning. Which doesn't come back until the end of the movie. That kind of what's what ties it all together. Very non-conventional music in this movie. There was a lot of like score stuff, but like orchestral sounding stuff in some scenes because it's like I mean it's like but drama. it's not like big and impressive no. though, like Star Wars but or anything. There was a lot of diegetic, our favorite word, uh, yeah. diegetic music. Um, throughout the beginning intro, there was this really weird song that they were playing, like a really w- up upbeat kind of poppy thing. In the beginning of the movie, and then they have a moment uh, shortly before the ending. It's before the rain of frogs, where they're all singing a song to the Heather that comes on the radio. Yes, that was another kind of weird moment. But oh, it was. I thought that was one of the spots where I thought it was going to end, but it didn't. Two times in the movie, there was a character in a car. The car had a radio. You could hear the radio music and the music of the movie, and they were overlapping. Two times I noticed that. The first one was when uh, Donnie's driving, and then he crashes into the, the convenience store. Um, in the beginning but there was another time in the end where I noticed it and I was like that's very weird and we can't forget the kids rap I, I didn't see how that came back really except for the fact I, I guess it's because the kid um, you know calls the, um, the 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 ambulance for when um, uh, when Linda overdoses um, I think she's trying to kill herself with the drugs but he didn't really need to have him rap to be like I just told you who did it that 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 didn't that doesn't come back and I think you could have cut that. So when he tells Officer Jim this rap, he tells him, like, who killed who killed the person that he just busted. Not busted, but he found the body. He knows who killed him, and this, this rap reveals it. And from what I found was that the point of that scene was not that the killer is significant. It's that that cop is a failure, and he fails at everything. Mm-hmm. He loses his gun. The murderer, he has evidence right in front of him, yeah, and he brushes fair. the kid off as just like some kid with a shitty rap. He's like, go to school. That's fair. And also, you could, I was about to say, you could um, uh, you could draw a line between it's like a, a, a an adult and a child again. 
I still feel like it could have been cut, but because I think in my head I was paying less attention to God, one idiot cop, and more like, oh, I wonder if that's going to come back. Who did it? All right, now it's time to get our film facts with Super 8, who, I mean, ageless wonder. He's older than anybody here, and he's still kicking it. So hit us with those facts, Super 8. Claudia was the first character created, and the other characters were branched off from her. Almost every location contains at least one picture or painting of a magnolia. Exodus 8-2 is alluded to over a hundred times throughout the movie. New Line Cinema wanted to push the film as a Tom Cruise movie, but Paul Thomas Anderson refused, saying it was an ensemble piece. He ended up designing the poster and editing the trailer himself. Jason Robard's character in the film suffers from terminal brain and lung cancer. Robards coincidentally died of lung cancer a year after the film was released. This was originally supposed to be a short and intimate film. But the more Paul Thomas Anderson worked on the characters, the more intricate it became. One of the books Stanley is reading at the library is about scientist Charles Fort, who is noted for his work expanding the boundaries of scientific research to include strange phenomena such as those featured in the film. The story of the scuba diver being dropped from an airplane is a debunked urban legend. Alright, thank you Super 8 for those wonderful facts. Now you'll get into our favorite moments. The opening editing of the movie in which we're introduced to all the characters, I thought that the editing and the camera work was hectic and fast-paced, and it was fascinating. And it kind of, although the movie does slow down at some point, um, part of my brain was thinking, is the movie going to be this fast? Because I was like, this is a lot of information happening at once. This is a lot of people. Um, but I thought it was a good opening because I thought it was, it just showed you how complex the whole thing was. But yet, it's all tied together somehow. And it's that damn TV show. It's one of those things in a movie you watch and you go, like, God, somebody had to plan all that out. And somebody had to edit all that. And it looks fantastic. And I think if you need a scene that's just a good representation of the movie, and the, at least the concept of the movie, it's that opening couple, five, ten minutes. To me, my favorite, um, my favorite scene in the movie is the montage where Earl is talking... I don't remember what he talks about. His regret with his wife. Right, where he's talking about regret with his wife and love, loving his wife. One of the things that happens is where the entire police force is searching for the missing gun. Um, and the audio, it's very quiet. You can still hear it from scene to scene. But it's, uh, to me, it just felt like this is all about pain. And for me, what I initially thought the theme of the movie was, was love and pain. Um, and definitely that is part of the themes of the movie, but this entire, it's, it's a great montage of like saying, Hey, look how all this stuff is connected. It's different, but they're feeling all the same things. And we're gonna, we're kind of draw a lot, a circle around it with this narration and it's just great filmmaking. Now we're going to get into our lesson that we learned from the movie. This movie is a great example of how you can create, how you can use montage and film to create an idea because the entire movie is a montage. So I mentioned that my favorite moment in this movie is the montage um, where Earl was talking about um, how he regrets what he did to his wife over all of the shots where people were kind of at their lowest moment. Um, 
And you kept saying like compilations and what you meant to say was montage. Because this movie to me is a fun- is basically montage of the movie and I'm not talking about, you know, 80s action schlock montage like training rocky and crap like that i'm talking about like sergey eisenstein soviet montage one plus one equals three you put two unrelated things together and you find meeting from where from the placement of the two shots all of these stories i disagree with that these stories are all they all connect and they're all one story because i don't think they are the goals of these people are different and they're resolved in different ways but you get a greater idea from all of these stories coming together and you see how they're similar. My lesson from this movie, I'm going to give it a little context. It's uh, take your time. And I mean specifically with the scenes themselves. And I mentioned earlier the long, long shots. Um, This movie is very uh, primordial and emotional. In the primordial w- in a way that uh, and you know I'm a sucker for the kind of shit that like you know it's emotional on like a very not like a crying level but like a very deep level and this movie does that because it gives the actors room to breathe and it lets them take their time and I mentioned there's that scene of, of Earl on his deathbed trying to get out a sentence and you can even barely hear half of the words he does say but it's a scene between him and Philip and it takes like minutes uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is in this one shot for like a minute and a half, must be. You have the scene of Claudia yelling at her dad, and that goes on for like 40 seconds, just one shot of her yelling. And Tom Cruise, the scene of him crying, that lasts like a minute too. You know, when you cry, you are going to cry for a minute and a half. You know, if you're going to, if you're yelling at somebody, you're going to, you're going to yell at them 10 times. You know, like these things take a long time, and that's why the movie's three hours because it takes its time with it you know it's not going to cut away and cut things short you know you don't get over something that fast and the the movie kind of holds on emotions and it kind of weighs you down so now we get to do some funny notes this week uh i guess super eight is doing funny notes because he just he wants to get himself into everything we, yeah we come on him, super eight stay in your lane we're gonna let him have it this week hi welcome to funny notes we're doing something different this week so, Dan really felt like he wanted to do funny notes. Sorry, my mask's on. So, Dan really thought he really wanted to do funny notes. And, or Super 8. But, I, after that first debacle, thank you for the light. That'll never happen again. Now we're doing something different this week. Welcome to a special episode of Funny Notes I like to call Funny Notes Versus. So, you wrote funny notes? I wrote funny notes. So my title of my funny notes is called Creamy, Pink, and Waxy. <laughs> God damn it, what the fuck does that mean? That is the uh, definition of Magnolia. Uh, so uh, Greenberry Hill isn't green. Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, my fir- <laughs> it's, it's black and white. Uh, my next fact. Uh, whoa! <laughs> I didn't know the gun was loaded. Must have been on the set of Rust. <laughs> Get owned. <laughs> on the set of Rust. Damn. Next one. Dumb <laughs> believes in God. One eight seven seven. Tame her. Tap into her panties. I want to tap right in. Frank Drebin's driving skills. Ah! 
Oh, hey, it's the quiz kid. Oh, shit. Evil Tom Cruise be like, yes, I respect women's bodies and I'm classy while having sex. Black versus cop, who wins? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, kid says n-word, sad day for children. Kids get smart from parental abuse. Yeah. Um, furry for all the out there. Uh, use of the term lady is offensive to women of third gender. I, I understand. Uh, boy, Ryan is What are you trying to say? <laughs> I just said boy, and then I was like, you know what? I need, need a little oomph, so Ryan is To be the smartest, you have to have the lamest haircut. I agree. That's why I'm the smartest. Uh, I have TV solitaire. I was impressed by that. You're solitaire on a nice TV in the bar. Uh, massive garlic tie. I'm sorry. To me at the time, that was actually kind of funny. Uh, and I'll, I'll hit you back because I also have that. A gift of so much garlic. Hot guy bar, hot man, then braces, ugly laugh. Ryan kind of looks like Tom Cruise. You did well, he doesn't have that. long hair that like goes down here, and, and then he's like, "Respect the cock." Actually, no, he does. He does hate women, though. <laughs> help, Marcy! Help, 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 Marcy, Marcy! There was just so much help in Marcy, and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> movie reference in movie <laughs> director. Uh, the frogs can't hurt you if you're atheist. I like that. It's time for a speed round where I'm busting out a bunch of funny notes at once. Uh, cop perv, cop perv. Gold digger turns for old men. Why do I relate to cocaine girl? Uh. This one is I have actually do have TMJ. Uh. Why? Why? Why do you? I don't know if you hear any of that, but I do have TMJ. So. Quality ambulance service here in Biden's America. All right, time to knock out the rest of my notes. Technically, I have one. Yeah, I've said my piece. But we're just going to keep going. Bedman's only 65. Too old? Hasn't put his cream on yet. <laughs> How the f*** is everyone listening to the same song? <laughs> There's just p*** and sh There's no c***. Oh Where's the c***? Uh, God says no to suicide. <laughs> Wish I could have seen the dog drugged dance. I wanted the dog to do like a druggy dance. All right, this has been uh, Funny Notes versus. It, it fell off a little bit. We it, this was more this was more like interesting. Yeah, and the point system over there, uh, Mr. Point Taker, seems that Joey has beaten me. Well, this has been the overtly Funny Notes film. And what? What? Want to take it away? This has been Funny Notes versus. Funny Notes versus will probably never appear on this channel again. We'll probably do like a spin-off, maybe. I don't know. I have no f***ing clue. It's time to draw, I think. That's right. You you shuffle, I pick. Okay, sure. Because I don't remember what we did then. I give them a good shuffle. Separate them, whatever. It's like, get them out. Come on, come on, bastards. Let's just get moving around. There we go. Please, uh, I pray to the frogs that I get a specific one here. The Empty Man. Hey, that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, this was your pick. This was my pick. 
Um, fairly underground movie, flopped at the box office, but from what I've heard, it's a pretty interesting horror piece, and we haven't done a lot of horror, because Alien was kind of horror, but uh, it's something new for us, and it's I think this is the most modern movie we're going to do. Yeah. 2020? 20, yes. uh, 20, was it 2020 or 2021? I think it was November 2020. Very modern. Very new. We're getting with the times, ladies and gentlemen. We and are. We'll see we- you next week with uh, Full of the Empty Man. Can't stay in the 90s forever. Shut up. <laughs>